I like to suck on it like beef jerky. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share their views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. And I'm Sean McCover. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. For as long as we've been on this planet, people have grilled and smoked meat. All over the world, this process is known as barbecuing. But in America, this process has been elevated to an art form and a cultural expression. Throughout the country, there are different regional styles and techniques. But many people would say, with great justification, that Texas has perfected this art and elevated it to its very height. Today, we're talking about some of our very favorite Texas barbecue stories. But before we begin, what's your favorite Texas beer? Well, there really is only one national beer of Texas, and that's Lone Star. I like Shiner Brock from the Spetzel Brewery in Shiner, Texas. I think those are both fair choices. But I like Pearl, San Antonio's own diamond and personal drink of choice for Chuck Norris, American <laughs> slash Texan warrior. Lone Wolf McQuaid. Mm, that's what he drinks all through the movie. We all know what barbecue is, but what's so special about Texas barbecue? Like obscenity, we all know what barbecue is when we see it. But the truth is that it depends on where you're from. The word itself probably comes from a Caribbean Indian word, barabaku, which was the word for meat cooked in or over a fire pit. It entered most languages through the Spanish as barbacoa. The earliest English versions of the word were in 17th century travelogues of the New World describing a grilling technique. And that's where we get the word barbecue, which pretty much came to mean any form of cooking outside over an open flame. And for the rest of the world, barbecue is mostly used to describe the cooking of meat over direct or indirect heat. So if you're in the UK or in Australia, they may use the word barbecue or bobby for what we would think of as air quotes grilling. The word is also applied to foods to give it a form of identification to Western palates. A lot of places will refer to Middle Eastern kebabs or Korean bulgogi or even grilled sausage as air quotes, barbecue. But in the U.S., it's thought that the technique itself was brought over by slaves from the West Indies, where they picked it up and combined with African techniques. Over time, it evolved into a unique form that was largely different from the rest of the world, and it focused on methods of cooking that would make the most of the ingredients that they could use. And the meat of choice was almost always pork, and a slow and direct method of cooking using smoke and smokers and pits was important because those cuts of meat that they were able to get were usually less desirable. And cooking them for long periods of time would make them more palatable, make them you know, break down and eat easier to eat. Sauce was developed over time to hide some of those less favorable qualities that couldn't really be smoked or cooked out of the meat. Over time, though, this style of cooking made its way to the white tables in the South as well as black. We know that George Washington had barbecues in Mount Vernon. And today, most of the U.S. considers barbecue to be cooking large cuts of meat over direct or indirect heat, usually involving smoking. The barbecue belt runs through the various southern states, and it's all, but it's also popular throughout the U.S., and there's many different varieties of barbecue that each area specializes in. Back to Texas. Much like football, the rest of the world considers barbecue one thing, while the United States has its own view. And also just like football, the Lone Star State is even more obsessed with our barbecue. We consider ourselves the best at it, and there are many different variations throughout the state. Texas barbecue is unique, but it also has a lot in common with barbecue from other parts of the country. There are a couple of key reasons for this, and those reasons play into the evolution of the four main styles of Texas barbecue. First, 
Unlike the rest of the South, beef is king in Texas. This is because for most of Texas history, beef has been more common and cheaper than pigs, especially after the Civil War. Beef is heavily used in other barbecue styles such as Kansas City and California's Santa Rita style, but brisket is the king meat in the most famous Texas barbecue joints. Secondly, the style of barbecue in a particular region is going to be influenced as much where those people in that region came from or can trace their roots from as the qualities of that area, such as the ingredients that are available or the type of wood that they use. Finally, there, there really aren't any rules defining what a style is or where you can get it. People have moved around Texas, and as they have, a lot of the styles have blended and adopted techniques from the other styles. You can find brisket, sausage, and ribs everywhere. Uh, most places have some form of sauce, and everybody has an opinion about what style or technique or variation is better than the other. Texas Monthly Magazine has its own barbecue editor, and that editor, Daniel Vaughn, wrote a book called The Prophets of Smoked Meat. In there, Dirk Miller, who's the owner of Miller's Smokehouse in Belton, said, I just make what I like, and hopefully other people like it too. Uh, most people, though, generally recognize there's four main styles of barbecue in Texas. There's Central, East Texas, South Texas, which is barbacoa, and uh, West Texas are also known as cowboy style. So Central Texas barbecue is probably what everyone really thinks of when they think of Texas barbecue. And it's heavily influenced by German, Polish, Czech, and other Eastern European communities as that settled into Texas Hill Country, which is where this style is most prominent. This style heavily favors smoked meat and really aggressively flavored uh, and seasoned sausage. Post oak is the most common wood that she's smoking because it's the most common wood available, but you'll still see hickory and other types of wood available. Now, generally, if you eat at a place that specializes in Central Texas barbecue, you're going to find that it's cafeteria style, and it's often sold by the pound. The menu is going to generally consist of smoked beef brisket, sausage, beef ribs, and sometimes turkey, chicken, pork ribs, and even in some places you'll find lamb and mutton and maybe some venison, something like that. Yeah, so basically if there's meat on it, they'll barbecue it. Now the traditional style uh, is served on butcher paper with bread and a few optional sides such as uh, peppers, onions, cheese, pickles, that kind of stuff. The oldest places don't have sauce and sometimes they don't even have silverware. You're going to find this style most prominent in the small towns in central Texas like Luling and Eldon, Taylor and Lockhart and, and Lexington, those, those types of places. And Lockhart actually has several of the oldest barbecue places in the state, Smitty's, Black's, and the Kreitz Market. I've been to a couple of these places. Many of them are near Austin. Last year, we stopped in Elgin on the way to a Texas City football game, Southside Market, for their amazing sausage, which is probably the best smoked sausage I've ever had in my entire life. There's a lot of good sausage that comes out of Elgin. Yeah, Elgin and Chapel Hill, that's really sausage territory. But uh, another place that we, I grew up near College Station and Tom's Barbecue was the place to go there. And it, had, it was a great place where you could get an Aggie plate special, which was a different types of meat, a hunk of cheddar, a pickle, an onion, and some bread. And that was that was the plate special. Now, that place has been gone for a decade, but there apparently is a new place called the Brisket House that was opened up by their pitmaster. And you can still get that special. Uh, another place that's nearby where my parents live is Louis Mueller's and Taylor. And that's been open since the 1930s and is now being run by the third generation of Mueller's. And this is a tiny little place uh, where the walls are solid black from decades of smoke. And this year, I, we got to do something special with my family. We went to Lockhart we went to the downtown square and ate at Smitty's, which is the original site of the Kreitz Market. And Smitty's has been smoking and serving barbecue continuously, even though it's under different owners, for over 100 years. And you can tell from the walls. They are thick, cake, black, crusty walls. It's 
as you walk past the heat of the pit, it's super intense and you can just really smell the history and the flavor of, of this place. It's awesome. Now I've never been to Smitty's, but I have been to Tom's when it was open. Uh, when I lived in college station for about a year, I'd go there and I would always get the Aggie special just because it was awesome. Just get this big butcher paper full of meat. And then growing up in Texas city, the place that we would usually get barbecue when we went out for barbecue, I would call central Texas barbecue is a place called Gus's in Texas city. And they specialized in a chopped beef with the mixed in with the sauce is the way they did it. But it was a very, it's always brisket, you know, always beef. And then later when I was older, they opened a place called Grand Prize Barbecue in Texas City. And that is totally Central Texas style. Big hunks of brisket. They make a barbecue baked potato covered in chopped beef, which is, it's it's the best barbecue baked potato I've had anyway. I mean, I know other places have it, but I've never tasted one that I enjoy as much. I hate to disagree with everybody, but uh, it's kind of my job over here to tell you that you're wrong. The interesting thing to me is that, you know, yes, this Central Texas style that you name, but all of the towns that you name, Sean, are so far north. They're so incredibly far north in Texas that you should call like far north Texas style with with the towns you're describing. Because for me, when I think of what you're putting in Central Texas style, goes all the way down to South Texas where I lived and, you know, the, there's a fantastic place in town called Gregory, just near near Gregory, Portland, called Max Barbecue. It's been there for years, and I can remember eating there as a kid in the 80s, and that was delicious. But of all of the things you mentioned, the, the sausage is an interesting one to me, because there's a place down in Fall City called Pollux, and Pollux makes probably the greatest sausage you've never eaten, because you can only get it at Pollux in Fall City. So you've really got to be heading down that way to get it. And you might think, well, it's a special seasoning. It's something interesting and delicious. It's just absolutely the very best meat, the freshest of spices. And it's a traditional Polish sausage. And when you grill it, it's amazing. You boil it, it's amazing. But down in that area, my great uncle and my great aunt, Gilbert and Myrtle, next to Duke's Meat Market in downtown Poth, it's a little Polish town down there, they would get the meat from Duke's. They would go, he would prep everything, and he had a giant grill right next to Duke's Meat Market. And that's what they did every weekend, was they would have a big grill out in the middle of town, and they'd sell uh, beef plates. And the specialty was he'd take racks racks of ribs, they'd debone them, they'd season them, they'd roll them up, and then he would put everything on at midnight. They would put padlocks on the grill, and he hired somebody to sit there and watch the grill. And uh, used a lot of indirect heat, indirect smoke, didn't dry the meat out because it was rolled up, had a lot of technique, had his own secret sauce, which to this day, even though my Uncle Gilbert passed many years ago, his son, Jackie Reinhardt, who lives in Atlanta, is the only one who has the recipe. And despite all of us asking him quite nicely over the years, he still will not give up the recipe for this very special barbecue sauce. And so this very rare, very hard to find rib roll that he's that was slow cooked for hours and hours, it was just absolutely melt in your mouth delicious. That is to me like the the the, the essential smoked barbecue experience. That's a great story. But speaking of uh, Central Texas style and the the influence with the from the Eastern Europeans with the sausage, the spice sausage, probably about at least every other year the past couple of years, it's been every year, my dad will take a bunch of his trimmings from the deer that he kills and we make sausage. And like you were saying, there's only one place you can get that sausage down there. Well, there's only one place you can get the deer sausages that my dad makes, and that's my dad's house. And Central Texas style is pretty is very prevalent in the state, especially right now. But if you look at the Texas Monthly Top 50 Barbecue Places in the state, which they do every year, currently the 
five, the top five are all either in Central Texas or their Central Texas style. Uh, even the one in Dallas, which is the number two barbecue place in Texas, uh, Pecan Lodge, is a Central Texas style barbecue. We can talk about all these great Central Texas style barbecue all day, but I'd like to talk about South Texas because as you go south and even further south than where I'm from, then you really reach into the influences of the Mexican and Tejano traditions, uh, and that becomes what's known as barbacoa, and it's the most famous type of barbecue in the deep south Texas. The traditional barbacoa involves where you dig a hole in the ground, you put some meat in there, and you just let it cook on the coals. In Texas, it's usually it's usually cabeza de vaca, which is cow's head, or sometimes cabrito, which is the young goat, and it's eaten on tortillas with salsa rather than with sauce. There's only one known restaurant in south Texas still using this method, because most restaurants today use pressure cookers or ovens. But church and family gatherings still use this method. You can also get barbacoa pretty much everywhere in Texas, but don't get fooled by chipotle. It's not the same thing. It's interesting because, for me, the deep south Texas experience of living, you know, down near the valley was really more about authentic Mexican food. So there are there's that traditional Mexican barbecue that you get through some dishes, like the cabrito and those kind of things, but those are always very special kind of an order, and they're they're... There's something of like a, um, there needs to be some kind of social event to justify the preparation and making that kind of, so it's, it's a special thing to sort of encounter. And there's things like leche trepas, which is where it's, you know, tripes that are fried in milk on like a, on like a big skillet. And those, there's some kind of crazy South Texas things that you find at, at uh, you know, more traditional Mexican barbecue type things. But they're, but the, they're very interesting and they're very flavorful and they have a lot of history to them. You can find barbacoa in a lot of places, little hole-in-the-wall places in parts of the city that, you know, you don't normally go to, kind of out of the way. But you talk about Cabrito, and I, I know it's a chain, but Papacitos, which is a which is a chain, and it's a, kind of a high-end Mexican place. One time we went in there several years ago, and on the board for the special for the day was Cabrito. And it was sort of fajita style, but, it, you know, it was on the skillet, but it was really a roast goat rump. And it was probably the best thing I've ever had at a Mexican restaurant ever period it was amazing it is delicious i personally don't have a lot of experience with barbacoa but what i have had quite a bit of is more of the east texas style east texas barbecue is going to be most similar to those styles in the rest of the south with sweeter sauces and uh, more pork in the mix and as african americans migrated to cities and other parts of texas in the late 1800s and early 1900s it became the most common style in urban areas. All of the East Texas places are also going to use the most common wood in their region. East Texas tends to favor hickory or pecan wood, and if you eat at many of the chain barbecue places throughout the state, you're probably going to be having some variation of East Texas barbecue. Sunny Bryan's in Dallas is a good example. Um, other places include the New Zion Missionary Church in Huntsville and Leon's in Galveston, among others. And I have to say, next to Central Texas style, um, I'm partial to the Eastern Texas, more traditional Southern style. In addition to being sweeter, there's also a little more vinegary taste to some of their sauces, and I kind of like that sometimes. I've been to Leon's before in Galveston. It's right off the bridge when you pass over into Galveston from Texas City. It's called the Causeway. We got a this sausage that was made with meatloaf, and it was fantastic. It was really good. And I, I love Sonny Bryan's too. You know, they have really good pulled pork there. And I've always wanted to go to the New, the New Zion Missionary Church. It's in Huntsville. It's a buffet style, all you can eat, and it's was originally just like picnic tables outside of this church and they'd they were open for lunch and uh it's pretty famous for for a long time so it's a place i've always wanted to go to 
Well, I would say one quick note about Sonny Bryan, since we're bringing it up here, is that uh, a friend of ours from college, uh, his dad was the president of Sonny Bryan's for a while back when we were in college. And so we did get a lot of free Sonny Bryan's in exchange for automobile rides from here to there. It's good. It's fantastic. And, you know, one of the things I love they do there is they have the sauce is in old tiny Corona bottles that's on a heating tray. Coronita. And they, but the sauce is, it's a, it's a, it's a warm sauce. And I really like that. It's a nice touch that they have there. It's and the ni- original. got a nice twang. It does. And the original Sonny Brian's is, is fun because when the first Sonny Brian's was open, Sonny had his own place. His brother Red had a place. They both had barbecue places in Dallas. But Sonny's place, they didn't have tables. They just had old school desks. So it wasn't uncommon. You see these great old pictures of old Dallas where you see these businessmen in suits eating barbecue off of like napkins (laughs) sitting in a tiny school desk. That's cool. So the other style that's, uh, that remains is the West Texas style. And, you know, that style is going to be influenced. It was influenced greatly by the ranching culture and meat is, it's not smoked as much as it's grilled or braised in pits. And a lot of people call this cowboy style because it evolved from ranches and cattle drives where smoking's not really possible. You kind of got to cook your, got to kind of cook your meat as you go or on the go out in the, out in the open. Mesquite is the most common wood used again, because it's the most common wood available. It kind of gives the meat a little bit of more of a bitter taste, uh, a little bit of a slightly bitter flavor. And one of the most famous examples is the XIT Ranch Reunions in Dalhart. And Vaughn's book, Profits of Smoked Meat, talks a lot about this experience. But the XIT Ranch was the largest ranch in the world at the time in the 1880s. And in the 1930s, they started having reunions where they'd have barbecue available to everybody that came and they'd have a rodeo. Well, that's been still going on since the 1930s. And it's uh, it's free to the public. It's all you can eat. The beef is actually put, cooked in pits in the ground. And then it's uh, brought out to the barbecue in industrial plastic line dump trucks. And they... They give out all the meat and everybody gets their plates and then they sell the leftovers for $10 a pound. It sounds like a lot of fun. I've, I've never actually had West Texas barbecue, but this sounds like a lot of fun. I think maybe we should think about a come and take it field trip up to Dalhart uh, to check it out. It's only like a seven hour drive. Now, I've never been to Dalhart either, and I'm not sure I could pick out Western barbecue out of anything else. It's mostly in the panhandle, I think really is where you find it sounds like a lot of colorado nonsense to me (laughs) yeah (laughs) but like uh probably most of us um most of the three of us that grew up in texas um we grew up with our families and our dads out there on the grill barbecuing smoking all that good stuff um a lot of the stuff that we had at our house like i said my dad was a hunter is a hunter and so a lot of the food that we would have is wild game and when he cooks it, um, a lot of times we'll just grill stuff just for expediency. But when um, he does actually barbecue stuff, uh, my dad will smoke it. And uh, one of the most memorable times that we had this barbecue was uh, at the rehearsal dinner for my wedding. And he and his good friend Gene basically raided their freezers and pulled out all of the different sheep and deer and exotic deer and axis deer and mouflon and all that stuff and uh grilled it up for everybody and i don't know if it's a particular style like we said there's a lot of overlap in some of the styles but usually you know it's kind of a i guess kind of a west texas blended with the central texas because it's smoked like the central texas stuff but it they also use a lot of mesquite which is more of a west texas kind of thing 
Well, what I find interesting when you kind of look at the perspective of what you grew up with, I mean, there's people like my great uncle who, you know, were kind of the community griller that did stuff in this little town. But, you know, just as Scott says, well, my dad's a hunter and his dad identifies a hunter. My dad is incredibly impatient. So <laughs> his favorite trick when we were kids was if there was no lighter fluid, he would just put some gasoline on the coals. <laughs> and then I've, you know, he can throw a lit match about six and a half feet, which is about all you need. And it just goes up in a big. <sighs> so, um, but then the other, but he makes a fantastic brisket. And I think it's interesting that as we've kind of grown into men and grown into adults, and we look around and see what barbecue means, we're also developing our own palates and styles and means of grilling and cooking and an identifier. You know, Scott and I were roommates for uh, a long time, and I remember one of Scott's early post-college purchases was a Weber grill, an, an authentic Weber grill. And I think that was a very defining decision of, of how he was going to choose to grill meats for the rest of his life. And another one of our college roommates, Michael Janis, is now the proud owner of one of the big green ceramic eggs. Yeah, and he makes pretty good brisket too. I, I have a smoker that I bought. It's, you can buy one for 30 bucks at uh, Home Depot. I actually have gotten really good at doing turkeys and pulled pork, uh, pork shoulder. And, and, um, and I haven't tackled brisket yet, but that's next on my list this, this fall is to really tackle brisket and to learn how to do that. I was at your wedding and I remember that fantastic rehearsal dinner. Uh, I think there was some, there was some smoked backstrap uh, deer, but venison backstrap that just, I still remember to this day. Another wedding that we all went to was our friend, Michael and Melanie uh, and Melanie's uncle cooked all the, the brisket and sausage and everything for that reception dinner. So it's part of the social gatherings, I think is a big thing. Like you said, within South Texas, the social gatherings with the barbacoa. The yardstick for any social gathering is both the quality of the barbecue and the number of kegs present. Another thing that that uh, makes me think about barbecue in Texas, especially from the social perspective, is fundraisers. A lot of schools do, schools and churches do barbecues for fundraising. And you know, when I grew up uh, in Normandy, Texas, uh, my freshman year, I was I was actually in ag class, and uh, the FFA, the ag teacher, and the FFA sponsor, he had killed a wild boar on his property, and so he butchered that boar. And we had pretty much a whole side of boar that he smoked for two days. And then we, we, we cut, chopped that up and had and sold it uh, at, a, at a fundraiser. And ag class for a whole like two, two other days was chopping up that pork. And I think that that hog and I think that I had probably at least three or four pounds of that hog just eating as I was trimming that <laughs> the meat up. That's some of the best barbecue I've ever had as well. Angie's uncle, Ronnie, um, lives down south of Dallas, and he does barbecue, and he's actually, I don't, I don't know if he's making a living at it yet, but he's got his own big trailer smoker grill, and uh, he sells his barbecue out of the farmer's market in Midlothian, and he's, I, I don't think I'd pin him down to a particular style either. He tries a bunch of different things, but all of it's been really, really good. Well, what I think is interesting about this whole thing is that you know, we look at the whole perspective of what barbecue is and what it means to us and sort of our encounters with it. But it's one of those common language things that we here in Texas pride ourselves on as Texas is what is authentic Texas barbecue, be it any style. Now, today, Sean has prepared some essential tips that he feels are necessary for barbecue. 
And let's take a moment to review those. Yeah. Okay. So the first kind of rule or tip that I have is to do your research. There's a lot of research available on the web. Texas Monthly has a list of the best 50 barbecue places, and it's not all-inclusive. Smitty's isn't on there, and I think Smitty's is fantastic. But um, it's a great tool. Yelp is a great tool. Go on to Yelp and look and see what in your area or what in a particular area you're going to has a good barbecue. I disagree. I say follow your nose. Follow your nose? Well, that's a good rule of thumb, too, but... Um, the other thing that researching helps you do is figure out those places, uh, that are doing like we sell until we run out. So like Franklin's in Austin or the Pecan Lodge in Dallas or in Snows in Lexington, if you're going to drive a couple of hours to go there, uh, you better figure out if there's going to be a line that you're going to have to wait. And if that line is going to be so long that you're not going to be able to get some food. Yeah. But you can do all the research you want, but you should always Start, I think, with a personal recommendation. Yes, absolutely. Because there's nothing like somebody else telling you, this is the best barbecue I've ever had for you to at least try it. If for no other reason than to try it and then tell them how wrong they are. You are so very wrong. It is so very terrible. (laughs) Um, The next thing is to go off the beaten path. Now, there's a theory that there's no good barbecue that's near a highway or a major highway or interstate, and I think that's that's BS. That's total BS. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. If you want old styles and traditions, for the most part, most of the places are going to be on smaller state highways or county roads. But there's a great barbecue that's not far from the highway. In, in Temple, there's a place, uh, McKeska's is right off the highway, and it's really good. Yeah, just be careful how far off the beaten path you go, right. because um, I imagine that the further you get from municipalities, the less attention they pay to uh their health codes. I think what you're saying is the further you the further you get from the highway, the closer you get to salmonella. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever parasites or e. coli, may grow in or, a beef brisket. Or just getting lost. The next one is that, uh, this is kind of a good rule of thumb, if there's a variety of cars in the parking lot, then it's probably going to be good um, because there's people there that are wanting to eat there. But they're also going to have some different options for different tastes. So if you see a, a parking lot just, just full of beat up old pickup trucks, well... Maybe it's because those people that are there go there every single day or every single week, and they don't have a good variety of food. But if you see minivans and sports cars and sedans and trucks and semis and stuff, maybe it's a it's a good place that has a lot of different styles for people. No, no. If I see a minivan, I keep on driving. <laughs> keep on driving. Well, I'm sorry. You're, you're going to miss out on a lot of good barbecue. And then. that's why you never visit my house. No. No. Okay. So the next thing. This is going to be controversial. Are you ready? It's controversial here. But... Sauce on the side. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Get your sauce on the side. And this is why. Now, I like sauce. I do. I like different styles of sauces. And there's a lot of places that have really great sauce. Uh, and there's an adage that, that's out there that sauce is there to cover up bad, bad taste and bad food. And in some places, that's true. But the reason I say sauce on the side is you get to take advantage of good sauce. But on the same time you really need to be able to at least taste the meat that you're getting. See, I disagree. Not just because you said it and I'm disagreeing with you, but I disagree because uh, I think that the making of a good sauce is an art unto itself. And, you know, the sauce is sort of the, um, the sauce is just as important, if not more so than the meat. But the sauce is the critical part of the, the is a critical part of the experience. Now, I kind of come in in between you two guys on this because I, I kind of go with the idea that you want to taste the meat for what it is, but a lot of times the best barbecue 
is cooked with the sauce. That mm. the sauce is an application used during the cooking process to help encrust the outside of the meat. So a lot of times I like to get that barbecue and I won't add any sauce to it, but there's already sauce cooked into it. And that's kind of a hallmark of the of a little bit more of the East Texas style than the Central Texas style right. of, you know, the Central Texas style that's all about the meat. So I I like I said, it get the sauce, put it on there afterwards, but at least taste the meat and see kind of how see what the texture's like, see what the flavor is, try it. No, I think you're wrong. Move and, on to the next And there's there's next. a con- there's a there's a myth that that to Central Texas barbecue they all don't have sauces. Well, that's not true. Christ Market does not have so- sauce, but most of the places do have some sauce that's available. Well, I I can't get behind that. Yeah, I can't get behind no sauce. Okay, next here's roll. something I that you can't get behind that. Here's something that I think you might agree with, Mike. Don't let them cut up your sausage. Let <laughs> that's that's good advice. Make them anywhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the joy of eating sausage, of eating barbecued sausage, is that that crunch that you get when you bite into the casing. And a good sausage has has a a crisp but yielding casing. And um, you know, you get that. This is going to sound terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's you get that. You bite in. So at Smitty's, for example, uh, they had some amazing sausage rings. They were actually rings of sausage rather than links of sausage. But. Uh, and that crunch and then that flood of juice that's coming out of the sausage. Yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> that that crunch and that that juice is just part of the experience of really good sausage. If they're slicing it on a on a block, all of that juice and that flavor is just gonna run out onto that block before it even hits your plate. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this though. You can slice sausage before you serve it. It is okay not to get like a huge sausage on there. Sometimes people just want a little piece of sausage. They don't need like three and a half feet of like well, no, that's fine. <laughs> roasted sausage. But here's but, but speak let for me, yourself. Let me make my point. My point I'm trying to make is is that the biggest problem is piercing sausage when you cook it. Is when people are cooking it and they're using they're not using tongs. They're using a fork. fork. Yeah, don't that's, cook that's, your meat with a fork. Don't that's cook your meat with eat your meat with a fork. Cook your meat with tongs. That is a crime. Okay, here you go. Next one. Don't when you're so when you're at a cafeteria style and you're letting them cut up the meat in front of you, but not your sausage, right? Not your sausage. Don't let them give you the dregs. So if they pull out a hunk of brisket that's that's just been sliced on all day and it's dry and it's you know the, and it bounces when it hits the hits the butcher block, ask them to give you a, a slices from a new brisket. You know it's who not you are. rude to do so. Yeah. You don't you don't want to bounce your brisket. No. You no. want it to land no. with a wet slap. No. Right. You you're fair of oh, fair warning. Just use good common sense when you ask. Don't yes. be rude. Don't be rude. Just don't be rude. Polite. Just Say, ask. Do you mind giving they, me a fresh they, piece? They do have big sharp knives in their right. hands. If they if they give you these the end ribs that are have hardly any meat on it, it's okay to ask. Now, you know, ask politely. If they say no, if they're almost out of it, if it's a, if it's a we are almost out, then that's you take what you can get. Maybe load up on the sauce. But if they're if they're not going to give you you know fresh barbecue, eh, maybe they're not at the right kind of place. And the, or load up on sauce and take what you get. Embrace the bark. Now, for those listeners who don't know what the bark is, it's that layer of it's that crust that's on the outside. A well smoked and cooked meat should have a deliciously flavored bark. Now, the thing I'm going to say about this bark business is that most people overcook everything. Yes. And most people just burn things. So I'm not going to ask for an extra slice 
of this horrible burned stuff. Nine out of ten times, if you eat that stuff, you're gonna, it's going to taste terrible. Right. And so... It tastes like cancer. But... <laughs> Yeah, it actually is. But don't don't just let them scrape it off. Uh, you know, and you see that, or scrape or cut it off. You see that a lot. But if it's got, it should have a thin ring of bark around the outside, and then a ring of pink or reddish pink, and then it should go into the gray. I've, yeah. I, now, I I I call failure on that rule. Yeah. Now, where do the burnt ends, the brisket burnt ends, fall into that? Are they now a, that that is a specialized type of bark. That is a specialized type of bark. It's the tip, the very tips of the of the brisket. And it is usually served with a lot of sauce because it's usually pretty dry, but it can be very delicious. I like to suck on it like beef jerky. Yeah, it can be quite good. Next thing is don't be afraid of fat. Brisket, it's got two parts. It's got the point, which is the fatty, thick part at the top, and then the flat, which is generally where we get our sliced brisket from. And it doesn't have, it's not as well marbled as the point is. But here's the thing about fat is that the fat absorbs the flavor of the smoke and the flavor of the rub. And it should be, it should be translucent, almost kind of like, almost like the, almost like butter, uh, right before melting point. That's really the best fat. If it is rubbery and chewy, then yeah, avoid the fat. But if it's cooked right and prepared right, it should melt in your mouth right when it comes, right when you get it, take your first bite. So not to sound like food snob, because when we get to the, Texas steak episode. I've got about 20 <laughs> minutes of material on awesome. fat to just go awesome. through with yes. you guys. Yes. But with the barbecue and the fat, the thing that's interesting to me is that fat can be disconcerting people because we're just in our modern diets not used to eating so much yeah. fat. And in fact, we've kind of moved away and have a bit of a distaste for it. So I think people lean more towards the leaner meats uh, and aren't used to having as much fat and gristle in, in there. But I think if you've eaten a lot more of traditional Texas brisket, then you're right in there with like, I need a little bit of fat to add it. But again, too much is is a bad thing. Right. And and it's like I said, if it's prepared right, then it's not something to be afraid of. Uh, now, I like a chopped sandwich from the point where they just chop it up with uh, a lot of the bark and make a sandwich of it. I think it's really good. Okay, next thing. Try something different. So if you go to a barbecue place and you see something on the menu that's different that you don't see in other places... That's probably, in most cases, because it's something that they do this special. Um, and it's probably worth it to take that step and order that thing. So, like, for example, uh, when we went to Smitty's, they had a pork chop on the menu. And I don't usually see pork chops on bar- at barbecue places' menu. So I ordered it to try one. It was about an inch and a half thick, and it was about the size of a dessert plate. It was huge. And the lady that gave it to me said, oh, I'm sorry, honey. Let me give you one of the bigger ones. And I said, oh, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> this is just fine. <laughs> so uh, uh, it, it was already pre-sauced, but I ate it, and it was so juicy and tender and delicious. It was actually, with the sausage at Smitty's, is the best thing that we had there. So I'd say if you see venison, lamb, or tri-tip, or some other unusual cut of meat, or maybe if you see, like, barbacoa at a Central Texas-style restaurant or something like that, try it because— Probably they've done it before, and it's something that people are asking for and are wanting. Right. But if you're not adventurous, then let your friends order it, and then you just try it. Try theirs. Yeah. If you're not mooch. adventurous, Be though, a mooch. if you're not adventurous, stick with the Holy Trinity, ribs, brisket, sausage. Yeah. There you go. If you're not adventurous, ask your friend if you can snag some of that. Ask your friend if you can snag some of it. Okay. The last thing I'd say, and it's like you said, Mike, don't be a snob. These are tips. They're not rules. Wrong. Too late, Sean. I'm being a snob. Well, sorry. 
but there's no true Texas barbecue. Uh, no one true Texas barbecue. Sorry. Everybody, every place has its fans. As you said, Mike, nearly every town in Texas has a pit master has one guy who's the barbecue guy and everybody knows who he is and everybody loves that particular style. And we should be open and respectful about the food that's being served. You know, maybe the oldest barbecue place in town, and it's a, just a tradition. It doesn't really fit our own palate. Uh, may not be the best place we've ever been to, but it's the best place. It's the place that these people like. Barbecue in Texas is like we started when we were talking about. It. It's as much a cultural thing as it is a dietary thing. Right. And and the other thing is is, is if you like Dickies or Spring Creek or Rudy's. Uh, or Bill Miller's or Bill Miller's or Sonny Bryant's or any of the chains that are out there. Uh, even something like McCaskas, which is a ch- sort of a chain in central Texas. If you like these places and you enjoy that food and you don't feel like you need to go exclusively to some off the wall oddball place, then, then enjoy Dickie's and Rudy's and spring Creek barbecue. Well, um, I am so glad that you have given us all permission on the internet to eat what we want to eat and eat what eat we want to eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Right. Thank you. Thank you, barbecue but, overlord. But I will say this. Grilling is not barbecue. I'm sorry to our no. friends down under. Throwing a shrimp on the barbie, you're grilling your shrimp. That's no. what you're doing. And grilling something and then pouring sauce on it does not make it barbecue either. Not necessarily, no. No, no. It's very special club and one that we, uh, rightly so in Texas, are the very best at in the entire world. And I will say it here and now for anyone listening, Texas barbecue is number one. Number one. Yeah. If you go to a barbecue place and they say it's made to order, it's not barbecue. Yeah. If you go to a barbecue place that says it's a Texas barbecue place and there's only pulled pork on the menu, probably not Texas barbecue. No, sir. Beef. Beef. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you. So like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave us some feedback. Be sure to indicate whether it's okay for us to mention you on the show. You can follow us individually, too. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm at Max Sean with two ends. And I'm Scotticus. If you like the show, tell your friends, and please leave a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. Thank you.